This is Science Friday. I'm Ira Plato. The Academy Awards are just a few days away, March 12th, and that means it's time for a sci-fi to go back to the movies. You're a tycoon. You saved my life. Thank you. Now, our mind experiences every world, every possibility, at the same exact time, commanding the infinite knowledge and power of the multiverse. Morning, aviators. This is your captain speaking. Welcome to Basic Fighter Maneuvers. If you're a film buff, you may have already seen a bunch of the nominated features. But for science geeks like myself, I have an additional criteria for what movies go on the top of my watch list. And that is, do these movies have some science in them? And it turns out that this year, a whole bunch of Oscar nominees have a plot driven by science, at least in part. Joining me to talk through these movies you might want to catch up on is a fellow science film follower, Sonia Epstein, curator of science and technology at the Museum of the Moving Image in New York. Welcome back to Science Friday. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Let's start right at the top, right? Some of the nominees for Best Picture. A big front runner in the category is a mind-bending multiverse movie called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Tell us about the science in this movie. I will do my best. Yeah, so Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, it has 11 nominations this year, so I'm I'm sure we'll be seeing it win in at least a few categories. Um, but as you said, you know, this, this film is definitely based in the theoretical idea of the multiverse. The way to explain that in a more grounded way or a way that's grounded more in provable real science, as one might say, is a quantum superposition, which maybe someone on your program has talked about before. And those listeners can go back and listen to a real scientist <laughs> talk about what that is. But essentially, you can see it um, if you're watching the film, not only in sort of the, the parallel storytelling strands that the filmmakers lead you through, but also in sort of what they say as a random arrangement of particles in a vibrating superposition. That's actually like a quote from the film. And you see that at a certain point where, you know, one of the characters is holding something and it's constantly changing forms. And that actually becomes a sort of superpower in the film. It takes a while to catch on to what's going on and you have to stick with it. But the at least the writers or the directors, every once in a while, will try to remind you what's going on about the multiverse, right? Yeah. They'll, they'll describe it for you. I think my favorite part of the way that, you know, science is woven into the story is, you know, it's it's as the sort of narrative storytelling device. And there's certainly like a computerized video game type way that um, the characters in the film interact with the multiverse and that they can grab, you know, powers, so to speak, or, you know, special talents they've developed in other strands of, of their lives. But um, I think at the root of it, you know, for folks who've seen the film, they understand it's really sort of a, a family drama. And a lot of what I think the writer-director's are exploring is not only the principles of physics, but also how physics makes you feel. Mm. And um, there's something that the characters in the film speak to about why should we care if there's all these, you know, if there's all these strands happening all at once. So I think that's, that to me is the the most interesting way um, that the film interweaves it. But yes, it's, you know, very much falls in the category of a science multiverse kind of film. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the sequels this year. The best picture category is full of sequels, including Avatar, The Way of Water. 
what's the science in this one? Water, avatars, both? I would say both. Um, I would also say very much the the science or technology of making the film. But, you know, to start at the top, so Avatar, you have, you know, the idea of an avatar. Um, and I don't think anybody would argue that that is happening in the real world. But you do have things like brain-computer interface, you know, developments that neuroscientists are making in people's ability, you know, through an implant to interact with something outside of themselves. And that's sort of the idea of an avatar in the film. There's also the idea for folks who've seen the film, and I think it was in the first one too, of these amplification suits. I think they're called amp suits in the films. And those are, that's sort of like an Iron Man suit, you know, something that you pilot from a cockpit, but it's much bigger than you. Um, and that is certainly, you know, based in some real world technology that um, DARPA and the army mm. is developing, you know, these sort of exoskeletons that, you know, for combat purposes with so much special effects built into this and CGI, you you, may, you wonder what's the next thing that they're going to try. I mean, they already have films that squirt water at you and the seats are shaking. Um, <laughs> 4D, yeah. yeah. 4D. Uh, and, and speaking of pilots, let's go to our next Best Picture nominee that we're going to talk about that was a big crowd pleaser. And I'm talking about Top Gun Maverick. And while this movie was a bit more down to earth than the last ones we've talked about, there were some incredible aerial stunts done by Tom Cruise and the cast. I felt like I was going to get motion sickness at some point. Totally. I thought those scenes were so fun to watch. I mean, I'm not proud of this, but I did watch this film on an airplane, which in some ways I think mirrors the cinema experience of watching something communally, but obviously with on a very small screen. But it did, you know, being in a plane, watching him do all those things just made me feel No fear factor crazy. that you're in the plane. while he's <laughs> Exactly. It. Yeah, But yes, this film, a lot of physics. Um, I mean, there's, for those who followed the sort of, you know, physics science tweets about this, um, there's certainly uh, some speculation about some of what's portrayed in the film. Uh, Tom Cruise going at Mach 10, and would he really survive being ejected from the cockpit at that speed? Um, but, you know, you it gets into what Mach is, you know, the speed relative to sound and, um, you know, the G-force and that sort of G-force induced uh, physiological loss of consciousness, all those things I think pilots would definitely relate to. Yeah, you know, it's uh, as Johnny Carson used to say about a joke, if you buy the premise, you buy the bit. <laughs> so if you if you buy the premise, you can eject from a, a plane <laughs> at Mach 10. You got to believe you can survive it. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Another film nominated. Let's move on for for a few awards, including costume design, visual effects, best supporting actress is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Now, I remember in the first movie, there was a lot of tech. Is that the same case for this film? Even more so. This is, I, I'll admit, this is my favorite science science film pick. L similar to a lot of superhero movies, I'm thinking of Superman, you know, um, even Dune, there's an element that gives the Wakandans, um, this East African nation, their power in the Black Panther series, and that's called Vibranium. And yeah, this film starts with the sort of premise of the United States, more nations should be given access to this from a, you know, a security perspective. Wakanda can't be the only nation. And then the tension in the film comes when it's discovered that, in fact, they are not the only nation. So I won't give anything away, but I think there's... No, no spoilers yet. No, I no. know. Well, it happens very early in the film. But, um, <laughs> similarly, you know, similarly, actually, to Avatar, this is another um, film where, you know, there's sort of 
a, a big water element, but also, um, yeah, I just think vibranium has a lot to say about, you know, you know, real world global economy and how it's at this moment, very dependent on rare earth metals, uh, that yeah. are often the cause of geopolitical tensions like lithium yeah. and et cetera. Let's move on to another category with a lot of science films. And I'm talking about documentary feature film. Let's start with uh, with one that we've talked about on Science Friday a few months ago, Fire of Love, which is about volcanologists. Yes, definitely a crowd pleaser, Cerados's Fire of Love. This is um, a film that is purely composed of archival footage of two married volcanologists, Maurice and Katia Kraft, who were very active in France and really sort of pioneers in the use of film to study what was happening with volcanoes and the different types of explosions, and also used film as a tool to help communicate the impacts of their research. So for example, to warn people of the dangers of, volcan of volcanic explosions and volcanoes, um, and uh, to you know pressure governments to create more standard evacuation proce procedures and warning systems. So it's a, unlike a film that one has ever seen before. A lovely film. Yeah. 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 Another documentary we talked about on Science Friday is called All That Breathes. And uh, briefly, give us the science on this story. Sure. So this is a really interesting story of um, two Muslim brothers in New Delhi who start a bird hospital. And it's a bird hospital specifically for a type of bird called the black kite that is a carnivorous bird. And the reason why there, there has to be a hospital dedicated to this bird is Hindu society is a vegetarian society. And these birds, as I said, are carnivorous. And so veterinary hospitals, the predominant veterinary hospitals that are uh, run by Hindu people won't treat these birds. And so there's a sort of kinship formed between these Muslim brothers and the birds, and they develop this specific veterinary hospital for them. So in that way, the film, you know, you see a lot of the birds, a lot of, you know, the care that the brothers give to them, a lot of the medical procedures that they do. And I think in a lot of ways, it's sort of a comment on our relationship to non-human animals and to nature um, and to the, you know, close ways that we live, especially in cities with animals. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, another documentary on the list is called All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, which is in a way about the opioid crisis. Yes. So this film by Laura Poitras is uh, in a lot of ways a, a documentary and, and, you know, sort of a biopic about the artist Nan Golden, um, but it is very much framed by the organization that she started, which is called PAIN, which stands for Prescription Addiction Intervention Now. And that was a project that she began in 2017, specifically targeted at the pharmaceutical developers, the Sacklers, who uh, developed and marketed Oxycontin. And uh, the film takes a look at her both, you know, at addiction and at the actions that she and her organization have taken in protest against the Sacklers. Yeah, there have been a couple of films, uh, a film and a TV series about the Sacklers. Yes, Dope Sick, one of my favorite TV series. I would say for anyone who, you know, really, I mean, it's a horrifying story. Uh, so it's not to be lighthearted about it by any means. But um, the the series is really, I thought, fantastic and, and gets into what was so nefarious about specifically, you know, the marketing of that drug. This is Science Friday from WNYC Studios. 
We're talking about this year's Oscar nominations that focus on science with my guest, Sonia Epstein, Curator of Science and Technology at the Museum of the Moving Image in Queens, New York. So we've made our way through the, the science nominees. I want to talk now about the 2022 films that were snubbed by the Oscars. Always. Yeah. Starting with one of my favorite films of the year, Nope. We talked about that a few months ago, but uh, give us a refresher. Sure. So, I mean, also one of my favorite films, Nope, is by Jordan Peele, sort of a it was it was marketed as a horror film. I didn't think it was as, you know, it was had definitely bits of all sorts of genres, comedies. It was sort of a Western. Um, yeah. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, the science in that film, I mean, it, it definitely has to do with aliens. So things that are real and not. But um, I know what you covered on the show previously, which I thought was a, a great story, had to do with um, really the development and the depiction of the alien presence in the film and how it was inspired by uh, real life sea creatures. So that in particular, I thought was yeah, really innovative use of science and storytelling. Yeah, yeah. You know, we were talking about sea creatures there and even uh, an octopus because the alien would hide itself in a cloud like octopuses do when they hide among rocks. So you can't really see it. Totally. Yeah, yeah. So the film is, you know, sort of based on there being this unidentified object and um, this family trying to track it down. And they use a lot of technology and, you know, filmmaking in the process and certainly the history of uh, film is very much also a part of that, which is one of the reasons why I left it. Go see yeah, it. Yeah, go, go see, see it. it. Even though it was snubbed. Yeah. <laughs> Another very interesting movie that got snubbed is called Crimes of the Future. And this one is about eating plastic. Yeah, yes. Fill us in on that. Sure. David Cronenberg. He's, I think, you know, maybe a little bit too out there for the Oscar mainstream, but um, certainly one of my favorite directors. It's a film that I think falls into the category of body horror, but essentially presents a world in which humans, a subset of humans has evolved to digest plastic. And uh, there's, you know, some organs have, uh, as a result, changed. And surgery figures very heavily into the film, these kind of performative surgeries. The human body is changing, and it's sort of a result of climate change in the world and the proliferation specifically of plastics, which I think is very true. I mean, maybe not that the human body is changing, but maybe it is. I think there's also been some research on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we certainly are consuming a lot of plastic, tiny little pieces. Yeah. Microplastics. Uh, totally. There's, there's, yeah. I, I think, I know that, you know, he has an interest in that. So I imagine it came from a real place. All right. Let's talk about the last movie that got snubbed that we're going to talk about. It's called Apollo 10 and a half, not Apollo 9 or 11 or 10. Ten and a half. Yeah. It's, a, it's an animated film, right? Yes. Yes. It's a so this generated some, you know, pre-Oscar nomination controversy because it is a film by Richard Linklater that's made through a technology called rotoscoping that he would argue counts as animation, but initially the Oscar gatekeepers argued that it wasn't. Um, there's it's it's a new technology. There's been a, an Amazon Prime television series called Undone that was filmed in the same way, but essentially it looks animated, but it's done with real life actors. And so um, they said that he wasn't eligible and he argued back and ultimately they let it in as a consideration, but it wasn't nominated. But the ten and a half, it's a great premise. It's, um, you know, set in the year that um, the moon mission took place, 1968, it's sort of, you know, a look at Texas during this time. And uh, the premise is that 
uh, NASA sort of messed up in their calculations and built a spaceship that was only big enough for a child. Mm. And so they secretly send a child to the moon before Apollo 11. And that is the premise. Wow. So it's it's a very sweet film. You can see it on Netflix. Wow, that does sound really cool. I missed that. I'm going to have to catch that. Yeah, yeah. Sonia, always a pleasure to talk film with you. Same here, Ira. Thank you so much. Sonia Epstein, a curator of science and technology at the Museum of the Moving Image in Queens, New York.